0: Good morning to everyone. I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to share or update you this morning concerning Arabic Bible Outreach Ministry. Um, as Brother Camille mentioned that you've been a great supporter to us, financially and in prayer, which is what we need the most for this ministry. We really thank you for standing by us, be partners with us in this ministry as we labor together for the Lord. Consider us your extended mission reaching the Arab world as brother, brother Camille mentioned that's our focus this is our heart that's our passion that's our goal reaching the Arab world for the Lord this morning what I'd like to do is give you a slight update where we at now and uh, just sh- and where we're going uh, we are very focused on media media is really our our vehicle to bring the gospel to the Arab world. And this is mainly through the internet and mobile, mobile technology. In the afternoon, we'll expand more on that field or this open door, the mobile or mobile technology, I don't know how you want to say it, and the internet. And how this technology, this open door that God is opening for the church, how it's playing a critical role in planting churches in limited access countries such as Arab countries, heavily Islamic Arab countries. So our uh, motto or our, uh, our model is to take a Muslim searcher from an online searcher and help them to become an offline discipler. And this is for the last probably 10 years we've been laboring and maturing in this uh, ministry. We're very searcher driven and we're also focused on discipleship and, and uh, a big heart for church, church planting and um, I'll probably t- touch base on how we do that, how we help in that end. How can we um, see churches planted yet using media? Uh, Muslims are searching believe me that uh, what's happening now especially with the news of isis on all the radical islam or pure islamic movement that we're seeing we're seeing a huge reflex or or a reflection or um, many modern muslims are uh... searching within and finding that if this is what islam is all about they're dismayed and we're on a daily basis in fact this morning i just got two emails we get emails from them saying, we want to know who Christ is. We want to know more about Christianity. So they're turning to Christ. And so the avenue where they go first, and this is what most of us do is we go to the internet. Now, anything you buy these days, you go search it on the internet. You validate everything on the internet, and then you go and buy it. And that's what many searchers are doing. They're going through the internet. But now what we're seeing also, notice that the picture is showing something else as you get your mobile technology, your tablets and your smartphones. And this is becoming an extremely open door and a powerful way of bringing the gospel to millions of uh, searchers in the Arab world. So that's our model, taking someone who is an online searcher and help them to become an offline disciple. Searchers, I want to take you through the stage, how they're going through. And how we're responding to each stage they're going through to in order to meet God. First, they're accessing. Where they access information about God, they're going to the internet. And where they get to know who God is and the God of the Bible and Christ from, from the internet. So we have websites geared for that to explain who Christ is and the need of man's salvation. And those who are saved or who commit themselves to Christ, they need to grow. And then we have websites to help them in the discipleship process, and we have, we have uh, full-time people following them up and helping them grow in the Lord. Then the next stage that we're struggling to, 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 um, to plan and, and see how God is going to lead us to is, how can we help these new believers? share their testimony and share more who Christ is, and be able to be part of a local church. And for that, we found ways, and the way that we felt very comfortable with is partnership with missionaries. So as I mentioned, we have websites that we access the population, mainly though, it's the social networking sites. Facebook is playing a critical a critical um, field for us. This is where we throw our dragnet, and we just Toll good fish and bad fish. Seekers and those who attack us. But yet we go through and by God's grace we find people who are really seeking. And with those we, we work with them. And we help them to introduce them to the gospel. And then the next pr- process is for those who are studying. We have people on daily basis uh, registering to study the scriptures. We have an online Bible correspondence course. And we send New Testaments and we send them scriptures, and now we're out into apps. Apps is the next thing with this is your mobile technology that we feel that this is where the Lord wants us to focus on. For the next three years, experts are saying that the Arab world will experience an explosion of mobile technology. In Saudi Arabia, they'll have 120% of mobile technology use, meaning they'll have more than one phone or tablet and what have you. So imagine to have a, something that talk, talks about the gospel or, or bring the word of God to them on their phone. And this is really a, 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 critical, uh, a critical moment that we have. We are in great time right now is be able to reach Muslims in their, in their own private time and privacy through their phones or tablets. We are also focused on forging partnership with missionaries. 2008, we started with brother Aaron Bayshore in Morocco. And, and because of this partnership where we bring them quality contacts, people who have been saved and they need, they're growing, but yet they need a place where they grow as, as a, in the body of Christ. And this is what we helped them to. And within a year, he was able to plant his first church in Morocco now he's in his fourth church plant this is because of this model that we're working with bringing uh... contacts and bringing seekers and those who are um, who are believers in remote parts of morocco he can go and follow them behind all that work we have a team uh, most of them in lebanon as one of them in syria the lord has blessed us we've added one uh... one or two more Last within the last few months, we're very thankful for them. They're the ones who are really behind all the operations of the ministries. So, so far, as I mentioned, in Morocco, we've seen three churches planted. And by the way, be, uh, there are national believers who are trained to pastor now. There's one who's been trained to pastor one church, a second one, Marwan, is being trained to pastor the second church, and there's a third one, his name is Rashid. We're just um, um, very thankful that he is also eager to start and and pastor his own church way down south in in Morocco. This is a picture to show you Muslims from Morocco coming to know the Lord. We call them MBBs, Muslim Background Believers. Um, We also take trips to go visit them um, on the field. We visit missionaries that we partner with. We try to study, we try to be exposed to their field, we try to be exposed to the culture, so we can better tune our ministry and, and we can better be prepared to support them in their outreach. We went to Morocco several times. In fact, our field director, George, just came from Morocco himself and his wife, and he had a great time visiting three main cities in Morocco. And this is uh, pictures in Tunisia, uh, excuse me, in Morocco also. And the picture on top where there's a car and Bibles, this is how they sneak Bibles to Morocco from Spain. They, they, they bring them into Morocco. In fact, we just shipped them 4,000 New Testaments and Bibles. They are on their way to go to Spain. And from, from Spain, slowly they would sneak them through to Morocco. We're very thankful for the, uh, for the printed material that God is providing as well. This is in Tunisia in the birthplace of the Arab, the so-called Arab Spring, on the bottom where there's a chariot. Now it's not Arab Spring anymore. It's actually what we call the Islamic Islamic Radical Spring. That's what it gave birth to. We're very thankful for the New Testaments that the Lord allowed us. This is through your support. We've been able to, we're able to print 50,000 copies and they're being dispersed now in Lebanon and from here to different Arab countries. We've had also lately, we've printed 20,000 Bibles and those also being, this, some of them, at least about 6,000 copies went to Lebanon to go among the Syrian refugees. Uh, this is our missionary, Aaron. He sent me a picture excited about the New Testament and he doesn't like, like it that I showed to churches. but <laughs> He was so excited about it, he sent me that picture. So our effective model that we, uh, what we believe, that's where the Lord wants us and how we've developed this model or this mission method through the years is to use the media for outreach and evangelism to access those who are searching. And then uh, through media and material, we follow up and we uh, uh, disciple those who have committed themselves to Christ. And also we partner with missionaries, all of that to support Underground missionaries to see churches planted in those countries. Beside that, we also turn our hearts to Muslims who are here in the states, and so we've been outreaching them for the last few years. And lately, we've also realized that they have big events, especially in the D.C. area. Every year, different uh, ethnic group have a major event celebrating their own heritage. This is a Pakistani festival took place in D.C. last year. In fact, it's taking place next week, which I'm going there and driving with a thousand gospels. So I need some help if someone would like to go. Um, we're very thankful for that outreach. This is the Turkish outreach, which also took place uh, this year. And, uh, and then we have the Iranian outreach. So every outreach we go there and we have, uh, members of other churches locally, or they drive from different states, they go and give Gospels to all these different uh, festival events. We find that they are, it's a neutral ground where we can engage them concerning Christ and where they are feeling very comfortable taking materials such as the Gospels and the Jesus film. We give lots of Jesus film DVDs since they come into, in 16 languages, and most of them are the spoken languages of the Muslim world. We're also into Islam, uh, raising Islam awareness among churches and among seminaries. This is a conference called Kanisa which stands for the church in Arabic where we invite those who are interested in the mission field of the Arab world and Muslim world. They come and they we have different speakers and we're very thankful for that opportunity where we can also encourage and motivate believers concerning that mission field. It's a neglected mission field, but yet we're seeing God moving laborers and we're very thankful for each one who commit himself for that mission field. Lately we've been excited about this project called the Microchip Project. And if you stick around, I wish you can stick around after the lunch. We'll show a video about 20 minutes explaining more about the mobile technology and how this chip project can work a critical role also in in reaching um, uh, Muslims in restricted Arab countries, this microchip has lots of videos, has lots of sermons, audio sermons, books, all kind of different books from doctrinal to family to sh- books that answer that explain Christ, and also has the Bible of course. It comes uh, with with the two versions of the Arabic Bible, and uh, so. We're excited about this project. The fact is, you know, that most of the Arab countries, their internet, especially the one in North Africa, is sometimes flaky. And so this chip will give them even have everything on their, uh, in their mobile phone or tablet or even uh, their laptop. They just simply plug it in. And they have a wealth of information to access to. And it caters to all different kind of, from searchers to those who are simply want to know more about Christ, to leaders in the mission field. And so we're, uh, by God's grace, we're raising the funds. We're almost there. We're facing some challenges te- technically. It's not working yet with Android. I'm speaking here a bit technical terms. So uh, it works well with PC. We're still trying to make sure it works well on Android. That's your the smartphone and tablets um, based on Android. So this is what we add as far as the ministry. And I trust that after we can, uh, I can share more. That video will explain, illustrate how, how if the mission work is done and how critical media, mobile, mobile technology and internet technology is not only for the mission field, but also for the local church, how the church can itself use that technology to outreach its neighbors. Okay, well, this morning, I want to turn now our hearts to the Word of God. If you open with me to, to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, Chapter 4. I'd like to share with you three words, three words that our Lord Jesus Christ used concerning the propagation of the Gospel, concerning the propagation of the Good News with His disciples. People ask us, since we are focused on reaching the Arab world, which has to do a lot with Muslims, how do you do it, and why do you do it? And I trust that this morning, as we look at these three words, which are familiar with you, um, that the Lord has used, that help us to understand, not only to reach Muslims among us, but also sinners all around us. And the first word we like to look at is in the gospel of John chapter 4 and verse 35. I'm going to also put it on the web. Oh, excuse me, on the screen. Oh, no more screen. Okay, well, read on your Bible. Uh, John 8, uh, John 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to the harvest. The first word we want to focus on is the word look. And before we dive into the word of God, may I ask you to join with me in asking our God to bless his word to us this morning. Father, we. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the privilege we have to come and, and worship you this morning as your people. We thank you for the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and the victory we, you've given us, Father, on the cross, that we can stand b- before you righteous, righteous because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray this morning that, Lord, your presence be felt among us, Lord, and and then, Lord, that you challenge us with your word, Father, this morning. And, Lord, that we leave, Lord, just uh, more compassionate concerning the lost around us, Father. We thank you again, and we ask you now your blessing upon this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So three words the Lord has u- used with his disciples, which I believe we can also apply them to uh, outreaching Muslims or even other, other ethnic groups. And the first word we're going to look at is the word look. And at, at first, if, you know, uh, a fast glance at that verse, it sounds like the Lord is contradicting himself. He's saying, say not ye, they are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. No, he's not. There's no contradiction. The Lord knows what he's talking about. After all, he's the Lord. And he's here mentioning or indicating or directing the eyes of the disciples to two different fields. The first one is the physical field. The field that can be seen by sight. That can be judged by sight. And yes... This field will be ripe. This harvest will be ripe in four months or three months, whatever it takes. That's the physical, earthly field that the Lord is pointing his disciples to. But yet then he takes them to another field, which is unseen by the normal sight, And this is the spiritual field. And the Lord tells his disciples, and he's telling us, they are white. They are ripe. To harvest so we have the physical field that you can judge by sight you can measure and you can see but yet there is that spiritual field which is not seen by the by the natural sight and he uses between the two he uses that phrase lift up your eyes and look lift up your eyes and look and it's interesting if you You know, if you do a quick search on that phrase by itself, lift up your eyes and look throughout the scriptures, and I've done that study, and what's interesting interesting about that phrase, every time it's mentioned in any passage of the scripture, you'll find the following. And I think before I tell you what the answer is, I want to list one passage where that particular phrase, lift up your eyes, was Mentioned, And I think if we look in that passage, you'll probably understand what I'm getting at. Why the Lord used this phrase, lift up your eyes and look. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. The first, this is probably the second mention of that phrase is in this chapter. The first mention is in Genesis chapter 18. We don't have the time to go cover different passages. I simply picked up Genesis chapter 22 because it's relevant to the outreach of Muslims. And this is a famous passage of Abraham offering his son who? Isaac. Well, I have some news to you. Muslims today are challenging us that it's not Isaac who Abraham was, offered, whom Abraham offered. It was Ishmael, and so this is a challenge also. In the, in the mission work with Muslims, you ought to be prepared in answering the challenges. There are quite a bit of challenges that uh, Muslims have been misunderstanding the Christianity, misunderstanding the Bible for 1,400 years. They've been taught false doctrine false views about christianity and this is one of them and so we see here abraham in this uh, most wonderful event yet it's kind of sad that abraham is offering his son but it's all uh... it's all pointing to the ultimate sacrifice to the ultimate redemption story this is uh, of course the lord jesus christ in verse seven of genesis chapter twenty two it says isaac asking his father Abraham. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb of the burnt offering? A common question that the lost, perhaps, are asking. The searcher is asking. Here's the fire, here's the wood, but where is, how can my sin be forgiven? Where is the burnt offering? And Abraham, in verse 8, says, My son, God will provide himself a lamb, for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. This is in Mount Moriah, which is believed where the temple of Solomon was built. And we see the faith of Abraham. Abraham, uh, the great man of faith, he said, God will provide himself a burnt offering. And then uh, we know the story that Abraham took his son. He prepared him. And he put him on the altar. And in verse 10, it said, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord came and, and, and uh, stopped him. As you know the story, I'm skipping through the verses because I want, you to take, I want to take you to verse 13 where that phrase took place. And as Abraham put the knife on, on the neck of his son, the angel of the Lord stopped him. And we have in verse 13 the following. And it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. That same phrase. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. As it's said to to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And so we find the um, the the uh, <clears throat> a short glimpse of what God will be doing in Christ Jesus through the story, Abraham offering his son, but God intervened, and and He told him that there's a ram, and the ram took the place of his son. And this is all pointing to the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a foreshadow to what was coming. In fact, John the Baptist, when he saw the Lord, he pointed at him and he said, behold the Lamb of God that lifted the sins of the world. <clears throat> Later on, the Lord in, in, in engaging with the Jews where, where they, uh, they were accusing him of being the devil, he said, he said that you will, he challenged them. He said, if you believe my words, if you believe my sayings, you won't see death. And I said, well, that's not true. All the prophets, Abraham is dead and all the prophets are dead. And the Lord said this phrase, which is very important in John chapter 8. And that's probably looking back to this chapter. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he was glad what I'm trying to tell you is in this passage God was trying to get the attention of Abraham to something important taking place in this passage it was the the fact there was a ram to redeem his son to take the place for his son and God in this passage is, is trying to get his attention and Every time we see that phrase, lifting up the eyes and looking, it seems this is what God wants, the character in that passage, not only the character of that passage, but us to pay attention to what's going on in that passage. Something important taking place. And reflecting back to John chapter 4, the Lord is saying, here's the physical field, and here's the spiritual field that's ready, that's ripe. there is urgency in that field. God is telling us there's something important in that field taking place. It's ripe. It's ready. It's urgent. And it's now. In other words, he's saying when you look, you've got to look and see beyond what you're looking at. There is that spiritual realm that you need to be impacted by. You need to be, be moved by what you're looking at. You need to be uh, touched by by what you're looking at. And this is because there is a mission field, there's a spiritual field that's ready, that's ripe. It's important to God. It's critical. It's now. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 9. Trying to get used to my new glasses here. You wanna go read verse 36 and perhaps we'll come back to that same passage after a while. Matthew nine thirty-six. Maybe probably go for verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Here is an example of lifting up the eyes and looking. The Lord, when he looked at the multitudes, he didn't see people who were just simply hungry or tired, exhausted. He saw something else. He saw their spiritual status, the spiritual state they're in, it says, he was moved with compassion. He looked at them and he was moved with compassion, and it impacted him. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. They were downcasted. They were fainted. And you know, in the ministry to Muslims, I venture to say this is exactly what we find. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are under tremendous pressure to follow all these different man-made rules and pillars. Islam controls the very fabrics of their culture, their family. It's in their DNA. And just they're, they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're just under guilt and fear. And when you go and, 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 and purpose in your heart to outreach that particular field, you ought to lift up your eyes and look and be moved what you're looking at. The Lord here, look at the multitudes, and it says he was moved with compassion. Compassion. He didn't look down at them. No, he saw exactly what, what they were, where they were coming from. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. We want to see another example of someone who lifted up his eyes and he looked and this is Paul the Apostle Paul the great Apostle Acts 17 we see Paul one of these rare moments as far as we know where he was not doing any mission work he literally was on his downtime in verse 16 of Acts 17 Paul was waiting for his companions, Titus and Timothy. And as he was waiting in Athens, in verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Here is Paul waiting for his friends in Athens, the capital of the greatest civilization at that time, the most advanced civilization. And as he walking through the streets of Athens and observing the beautiful probably the beautiful architecture of these marble white buildings and statues and all the, the, the uh, advanced art that the uh, Greeks had at that time Paul was not impressed with all that physical beauty of Athens Paul saw something else Paul saw the Beyond what he was looking at. He saw the spiritual field. He saw the spiritual realm. It says his spirit was stirred in him. Why? Because the whole city was given to idol worship. So here's the man whom I can safely say he's a man of God. Man who was spending time before God's throne. He was feeling the impulse of God's heart. And when he saw the city and he saw the spiritual realm of it, his heart was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred, was provoked in him. He saw how they were all given to idol worship. And so his passion was to go and what? Preach the gospel. Bring the gospel to them. Bring the good news to them. He lifted up his eyes and he looked. He lifted up his eyes and looked. He saw something important taking place. He saw a field that's ripe. He saw the urgency that God wants us to know that we are, every one of us, are in the middle of a mission field. It's your neighborhood. It's the street you live in. When was it that you and I lifted up our eyes and we looked across the street and we observed our neighbors or our companions at work or at your school? Where you're at is your mission field. And that's the mission field that the Lord wants us to Lift up our eyes and look. It's ready. It's ripe. There's urgency. Urgency by God to go and, and, and share the gospel and bring the good news to them. And so for the mission field among Muslims, if you don't lift up your eyes and look and look at them through the eyes of Christ, my advice to you and to me, don't go. We have to go knowing that we have to have that heart of compassion, the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, to look at them through the eyes of Christ. No, they're not our enemy. It's Islam that we reject. Islam as a system, as a doctrine, but not Muslims. Muslims are sinners like you and I, and they are like sheep without a shepherd, and they need the gospel. Lift up your eyes and look. So this is the first word that the Lord Jesus used with his disciples. And which is relevant to us, to any one of us. And it doesn't matter if you're here in the States or if you're in the mission field. The second word, which is uh, in Matthew chapter 9. If you go back to Matthew chapter 9. We'll look at the second word that the Lord used. In verse 37 and 38. We were there. We read verse 36. Verse 37. said, Then says then he unto his disciples. This is the Lord addressing his disciples again. He said the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore. The Lord of the harvest. That he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So the second word that we want to look at is the word pray. Pray. Prayer is a critical part of any mission outreach. In particular, when it comes to working among people who have been blinded by Satan for 1,400 years. Satan is doing a superb job to blind them from the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I can stand up here and testify that for the last probably 15, 20, 30 years, we've seen major cracks in the, Muslim, in the Islam world. And I believe what's happening now in the Muslim world is a reaction by Satan saying that this, this world, 1.4 billion Muslims are slipping from his hands. And so he's breathing this radical teaching that's taking place now. Why? Because the gospel is being preached, and the gospel is going forth. And this is, uh, prayer becomes a critical role in, in the mission outreach. And the Lord, he's saying, he pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He's the one who sent laborers, and this is his harvest. You know, the biggest obstacle that we face as believers trying to witness to people is we think that we are the ones who are saving people. And people who ask us why are you go and preach to Muslims? They won't get saved. Well, that's true. They won't get saved because of me. It's not me who's saving them. It's God is the one who's saving them. You and I have to be faithful in carrying on the gospel, the commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is in the business of saving. And you and I ought to be faithful in being, in, in being a faithful witness and faithful in bringing the gospel to them. So prayer is a key element in any outreach. Open with me to Romans chapter 10. Why do we need to pray that God will send laborers to his harvest? Romans chapter 10, a well familiar passage. Answer that in a very logical way. And I like how the word of God is so logical. To us engineers, we love to think logically. And so Romans chapter 10 answers why we need to pray that the Lord will send laborers. In verse 14 and 15, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are what? Sent. So we pray that God will send laborers. So they do what? So they preach. And when they preach, people hear the word of God. And when they hear the word of God, they believe. And when they believe, they shall call upon his name. Very logical. We pray that God will send laborers. We pray that God is the one who sent is the one, he's the one who send laborers, and he's the one who send them to his harvest. It's not you or I who save people, it's him. Prayer, as I mentioned, becomes very important in the mission field. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3 is the most quoted verses by missionaries by missionary newsletters, and rightly so. Many newsletters you read sometimes finish with those two verses in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And here, Paul, at the end of the letter, after he, he uh, writes his letter to the Thessalonians, he shares with them, he shares two burdens. It sounds like he had two burdens on his heart with his readers and he said finally in verse one finally brethren pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men two prayer requests that Paul share with um, the people in Thessalonica it, it amazes me how this man of God never fails to ask prayer concerning mission, concerning the gospel, the propagation of the gospel. This is Paul, the great man of faith, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If you find, if you study his letters, almost every letter he asks, pray for me. And here he's asking, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course. Another translation says that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Another translation says that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly. All three terms explain something about, uh, about the word of God. It's like this massive amount of water. It all indicate or has that meaning of a massive amount of water moving, body of water moving and spreading. You know, like a river after major rain, you'll see that the river is just rushing through it comes to my mind at least the tsunami we saw a few years where this massive amount of water was rushing through and spreading rapidly and this is what Paul is asking his readers pray that his word have free course pray that his word run swiftly pray that his word spread rapidly why because where his word goes it shall not come back empty it will impact people's heart. Pray that God's word will go forth and no obstacle would stop it. And when people hear and accept his word, they will get saved and when they get saved, God is the one who gets the glory. It's not you and it's not me. It's not the missionary. It's God is the one who is glorified. That's why he said pray for us and that the word of the Lord may, be ha- may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you you read the testimony of the Thessalonians who were idol worship and turned to God their news spread throughout Asia Minor because of their faith, how they turned from idol worship to God because they heard the gospel and God was being glorified so the first prayer request that Paul was asking pray and pray and this is why I'm, I'm really touched that in your, in your bulletin you have a prayer for one of your missionary, that's That's comforting to see because missionaries need prayer. It's good that you support them financially, but prayer is a key element that you can serve your missionaries because they are under pressure like you and I. They have earthly pressure, they have family pressure, but then they have that spiritual pressure that they have to go through in order to bring the gospel. The second prayer request, he said that that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Brother Camille just mentioned that those who are working in the field with us in Lebanon or different Arab countries, they are under some pressure. Of course, there is danger. We're not going to minimize the danger. And that's why we pray. We pray for their protection. Paul was in danger. Why? Because every time you preach the gospel and people get saved, guess who? Guess who don't get who who's the one who don't get, who's not happy with you? Satan. And so he will he will counter back and attack spiritually and probably raise some men who are unreasonable and wicked to oppose the work of God. And that is proven time and time again, especially in those countries where now we see how the gospel is Saving people. And so we pray for the safety of our co-workers. As I mentioned, Paul, in almost every letter, he asks his his, uh, readers to pray for him. In Ephesians chapter 6, as an example, after he describes the armor of God, he says in verse 18, And pray, pray for me. That the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And so we pray, pray for yourselves, pray for your missionaries, pray for your church outreach that God will raise up men and women who will be sent to go boldly preach the gospel. And the only fear we have is the fear of men because we think we are the ones who are going to save people. No. You just go and preach the word of God. And the word of God is more than effective and more than powerful to change the heart of man. So prayer becomes critical in any outreach, especially outreaching Muslims for the Lord. So the first word is look. Lift up your eyes and look. The second one is pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest send laborers to his harvest. The third word, which is we really very familiar with, is in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and this is <clears throat> this is the great commission. We all know the great commission of our Lord to the disciples. It's also to us. Matthew 28 in verse uh, we'll start verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so the, word, the third word is go. Go ye therefore. This is the Great Commission. And, you know, the Great Commission is twofold. In Mark, we see, go and preach the gospel. That's one side of the Great Commission. The other side is to make disciples. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the discipleship process. And Bible teachers tell us that every time you see the word therefore, in verse 19, go ye therefore, you need to know why it's there for. And it's therefore because, of course, if you go back to the verses before verse 19. So let's look at verse 18. We'll know why that word therefore is. Verse 18 says, Jesus came and spake unto, unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And so the Lord is assuring his disciples, assuring us that all authority, In heaven and on earth is given unto him. And so when you go, realize that he has all authority and he is in full control of anything that can go when you preach the gospel. This is why we go. This is why we go to the Muslim land. This is why we believe in going because of his word. Go and all authority are in my hands. No one can put one single, one single finger on you unless the Lord permits it because he's in full control. There's an added blessing. is in verse 20 that we many times skip over. He said, when you go lo, I am with you. That's his promise. Lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. You go and guess what? There is that sweet presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Time and time and again, every time I travel, or even when we do outreaches here, there's something special that you feel, something sweet. It's called the presence of the Lord. You go and you lo, He is with you, even unto the end of the world. I mentioned to you that our field director, George, just came from Morocco. And he was telling me how he went to different cities and the excitement in his voice and the joy he was sharing. And you can tell that he experienced something. It's called the, the Lord's presence was in all the different places, trips that he took within Morocco in visiting different cities in Morocco. I remember my first trip going to Morocco. First trip. I had two cases with me, and both cases had Bibles, tons of Bibles, and CDs, and books that has commentaries. I mean, I filled them, and I was going to Morocco, thinking that's you know I'm going in, and uh, be able to visit believers. But guess what happened? At the customs, they stopped me. It was a very hot day. It was the Ramadan. You remember, if you know Islam, Ramadan, there's a whole month of fasting called Ramadan. He's the custom guy, was too exhausted. He was sleepy, but somehow as I was coming with my two cases, he pulled me in and he had me open one, one of them. And I opened the one that had all the Bibles in it also. And so when he looked at, he grabbed the Bible, he goes, what is that in Arabic? Says the holy book, al-kitab al-muqaddas. I said, well, it's the Bible. He goes, is this concerning Jesus Christ, Isa, and Messiah? I said, yes. So he put it on the side. That was not a good sign. And so I was sweating. Not only it was hot, but I was sweating. Naturally, I was scared. He pulled the second CD. I had a stack of CDs, probably about a hundred of them, and each CD was full of. Uh, Bible material, the gospel, the, the Bible, in audio and reading. And he goes, is this for Jesus also, Isa? I said, yes. So he put it on the side. I was sweating more. And then he pulled, I think it was a cassette or a book. And, and I said, this is also about Isa, about Jesus Christ. And then out of nowhere, I mentioned to him, and you know what? It is a gift from me to you. It's an Arabic culture, you know. He goes, really? I said, yeah, please. This is a gift from me to you. So he pulled the CD. He goes, how about this one? I said, yeah, it's a gift from me to you also. So he grabbed the Bible. He goes, how about that one? I said, it's also a gift from me to you. And in my heart, I was going to say, what do you want? French fries with that? I mean, free gift. To you. <laughs> so, so he took them, and he ran back the back counter. And I'm there my cases were open, and I'm just sweating and scared. I'm like, oh, you know, stop imagining, you know, the jail. All the stories you hear about missionaries. Oh, poor me, you know, what's going to happen? So he comes out. He goes, what are you doing here? Well, why don't you pack up and go? May peace be with you. And I just packed my stuff and I said, Lord, if I just came right for this man to give him the gospel, I'd praise your name. Go, and lo, I am with you. No one can have the authority to, to put a finger on you unless he permits it. And so when the disciples went, if you, if you check Mark chapter 16, you'll find that the Lord was faithful in fulfilling that promise. In Mark 16, 20, it says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. See, he was there with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied them. Look, lift up your eyes and look, pray, and then go. Simple. This is the whole heart of God. And the mission field is right here. It's among us. They tell me, what, how, why you do it to Muslims, or how you do it? Well, there's not much difference between a Muslim or non-Muslim. They're all like sheep without a shepherd. And they need the good news. They need the messenger. And that's you, and that's me. Amen? I want to turn it to, is it Brother Ron? Yeah, right, thank you. Thank you again for supporting us.